Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A new season is upon us, and it is thrilling. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the season preview episode of Football Unscripted here on the Pit Talk Network, part of Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Corey Cohen. Thrilled to be joining you for this one and all season long. Apologies that this is coming slightly later than expected. Moving forward, the schedule will be on Mondays. We will have the episode up talking about the previous week's games. Uh, we're also talking where we should have in midweeks Olympic gold and blue, talking about the Olympic teams, pit soccer, pit volleyball, etc. And then a, um, a preview episode hosted by Austin Bechtold coming on Fridays before the episodes. That's Panthers Pathway. That'll be coming for you right here on Pit Talk Network. So please be sure to subscribe to the Pit Talk Network wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we're going to keep that going throughout this season and really get this thing off the ground. Really excited about it. But for this first episode, coming slightly later than usual, but good things come Good things come to those who wait. And I'm thrilled to be joined by Jim Hammett of Panther Lair, my former co-host back in the Cardiac Hill days. Uh, Jim, thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Of course, anytime, Corey. I feel like uh, any anytime you ask, I'm I'm always there. And uh, we've had what three different versions of this podcast through the years, so uh, we we go back a ways. We absolutely go back a ways. Uh, really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming back on. And we've done quite a few of these season previews. Uh, you're a wealth of knowledge on this team. You've been covering this team up close, and uh, so no better person to talk to than you to, to get the vibe for people that haven't been paying attention necessarily to uh to to spring ball or to fall camp or you know summer all of that we want to give people a full preview on what they should expect to see this year uh before we go into position by position which has been something that we've loved to do in these season preview episodes uh first i want to get your thoughts on just the overall vibes i mean Obviously, the coaches every year they play up. Yeah, this team's really special. This could be really great. And they always like to play things up. Uh, you've been on the ground there both this year and in previous years. What are the vibes that you're getting from this year's pit football team so far? I think there's a sense of quiet confidence around this team. Um, last year was different. And I don't want to say people are more excited about last year, but I think whenever you come off an ACC championship and your openers, West Virginia, there was just kind of that like, everyone knew like you couldn't wait around like it was like that big first game so I, I don't know if Wofford has anything to do with the expectations but maybe the hype around the season maybe isn't quite the same but I, I think there's a quiet confidence I, I I will go back to that I, I do think 
Uh, you know, Pat Narduzzi's been around this going into his ninth season. I, I think he's just kind of built up a program. And you have so many guys that have been around that played on that ACC championship team, played on that team that won the Sun Bowl last year. So there's just there's a sense of continuity, which is hard to build in college football with so much turnover. It's very unique with that, um, you know, the way the NCAA gave that, that extra free year from the 2020 season. It has allowed guys to kind of prolong their careers and has also kind of been able to help prolong this pit run. I mean, because you're talking about guys like Marquez Williams. I mean, he has like 35 starts. Same with Jake Cradle, David Green, uh, Devin Danielson, Tyler Bentley, Blake Zubovic. I mean, Matt Gonsalves. There's just been so many guys that were actually like legitimate big-time contributors on the 2021 team that are still hanging around. So I think whenever you go into a season with that kind of, you know, experience and, you know, know how to win sense of mentality, I think there's going to be that, you know, belief that they can do it again this year. Yeah, and that seems to, I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you consider the coaching stability that is so rare in college football. Pat Narduzzi about to begin his ninth season as head coach of Pitt football. That's getting to the point of being unheard of in, in so many cases. The fact that he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the ACC and his seat doesn't look even warm, you should say, based on uh, the last two years that he's had. So you've got... Narduzzi in his ninth season, Randy Bates, the defensive quarter, sneakily in his sixth season, uh, which is kind of amazing. Then Frank Signetti in his second season as offensive coordinator. So it really does seem to make sense that for, for so long, Pitt had the rotating cast of characters as head coach and interim head coach uh, from about 2010 until 2015. And then out of nowhere, Pitt goes from completely uh, – uh, insta complete instability to now this is a program that is fully stable starting on the coaching side and then as you just said moving forward to the players yeah I mean you you brought up uh Randy Bates and I, I just think that whole defensive side of the ball it, there's a lot of that I mean Charlie Partridge has been around for a while same with Archie Collins and Corey Sanders and so they're you know the past four or five years Pitt's defense has ranked very well in you know some of the top categories and I think having that sense of coaching stability uh having guys that kind of know how to recruit the same type of players I mean Pitt has kind of an identity now they know what they're looking for so you know even though there's been a lot of offensive coordinators I mean you still look at that offensive side of the ball Andre Pallance and Salem have been with Pat Narduzzi since the first day I mean they they were two of his first hires and they're still around so I think that's what I think Narduzzi that kind of makes him comfortable I mean, I, I think, you know, he's not overly loyal to a fault. I mean, like he has fired Sean Watson in the past, who they're going to see this weekend. So, mm -hmm. I mean, he when he's willing to make moves when it's necessary. But I think a lot of the success, especially these past two or three years, you know, which has been a pretty good run for Pitt, a lot of it has been built on just there's an identity now. There's continuity. There's players that know how to play the system. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of those players. We're going to go position by position. We're going to start with quarterback. So there's a new quarterback in town. Uh, Keaton Slovis is gone. He transferred to, to BYU. Uh, Phil Jerkovic is in. He was uh, formerly of Notre Dame, then Boston College. Uh, he is a local product from uh, the Pittsburgh area. In 2020, he had, in that COVID year, he had 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, 61% uh, completion percentage. Then he missed about half of 2021 with a hand injury. Uh, 2022, he comes back, has 11 touchdowns, eight interceptions, a completion percentage just under 60%. So I think a big question with Jerkovic is what 
how reliable is he and what sort of version of Phil Dracovic should people expect? Because we've seen him in a lot of different forms and he, he's now back at where many fans hoped he would start his career. What should we expect from him as, as a transfer QB? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it's with Jerkovic, it starts with the connection with Frank Signetti Jr., who was his offensive coordinator in 2020 uh, at Boston College. So his his one really successful year was his offensive coordinator, and now they're getting back together. So, I mean, I think from Pitt's perspective is they hope they kind of re- recreate that magic a little bit and also for him to stay healthy. I mean, I think a lot of it uh, – you know, Boston College had one of the worst graded lines in, you know, college football the past two seasons, which hasn't helped his health at all. So I think, you know, getting him with a coordinator he's comfortable with in front of, you know, with an offensive line that Pitt's pretty comfortable with. I, I mean, I, I think there's potential there. I mean, I, there was a, a time after that 2020 season, Phil Dracovic, you know, was getting some NFL looks and, you know, he was thought of, of going into that 2021 season you know, maybe he would have that big year and, you know, kind of have a breakout year and it just never happened for him. So, I mean, I I think he's a lot of motivation. I mean, I think, you know, getting to play at home for one season, I think getting to, you know, prove himself that he he is still that player from 2020. Um, So I I think there's a lot of motivation. I mean, that's the million dollar question with the whole team is what, you know, what Phil Dracovic is playing for Pitt this season. I mean, I don't have the answer yet. I mean, it's kind of, I'm still kind of in wait and see mode, but I mean, everything out of camp, I mean, there's a good sense of, you know, he was, he instantly became a leader. Uh, the offense kind of was running fluidly because he knew how to run it. So, I, I mean, I think all, you know, everything was done correctly in the off season. I mean, it's just a matter of whether it translates into a game. Yeah, the transfers, when, when all that was happening, I agree. I think they, they did exactly what they had to do. First of all, they moved on from Keaton Slovis, who was just not at all good last year. He, he was slow he, in terms of just mobility and making decisions. Didn't seem like a locker room guy, like much of a leader. I, I think that divorce, if you will, uh, made sense for all parties. They moved on from him, and they brought in Phil Jerkovic, and sort of rekindled that relationship between Jerkovic and Signetti, as you just said. And uh, so much of it, I mean, it's the most important position in sports. So much of the season is going to come down to which Jerkovic they get, as you said. And then on the other end, there's you, you mentioned uh, his health and the fact that he had some injury concerns. Not that they're necessarily lingering injuries. They're sort of freak accidents, and they don't necessarily predict future injuries so it's not that oh he's injury prone but it's happened in the past it could always happen to a quarterback that he goes down and you have to look at the backups this year there are two interesting backups Uh, one it we've seen a bit of already that's Nate Yarnell uh who's been sort of in uh, a third string guy last couple years uh he has stayed on the team he did not transfer out he seems to be the third string quarterback uh, but the backup is in- incredibly interesting. That's Christian Veyer, uh, who is a quarterback from Canada. He played at Penn State. He was a backup at Penn State, supposed to be the future starter. When it looked like that wasn't going to happen, he looked for a transfer, and he lands uh, in-state at Pitt. So he hasn't gotten many minutes in college football, but a, a pretty highly prized recruit coming out of high school, what, what do you think about him in terms of if something does happen with Phil Jerkovic, as has happened in the past, how reliable is, is Christian Veyer? Yeah, I mean, I think with both Veyer and Yarnell is that they both have game experience. So I, I, can't, I can't really remember a time when Pitt had three quarterbacks that have actually started a game or, you know, played six, 
significant snaps. Uh, going back to Christian Bayer's time at Penn State, uh, he had to start a game or at least play the majority of it against Rutgers. And I think he had three touchdown passes, no interceptions. So there is a little bit of a sense of, you know, he has he has his feet went a little bit. But at, at the same time, I mean, he's still that prototypical. He was a highly regarded kid. I mean, he's, you know, 6'4", you know, 200 plus pounds, like the what you look for in a quarterback. So I think he has all the tools, all the measurables. And he even said, um, you know, in fall camp that he just felt more comfortable in fall camp as opposed to, you know, spring ball. And, you know, that's natural. He got more time to learn the offense and all that. So, I mean, I, I think they could feel comfortable with him going into the game. And I, I feel the same way with Nate Yarnell. I mean, not that his start last year against Western Michigan was anything, you know, spectacular, but he managed the game. He hit some throws. He's like the definition of a game manager and not yeah. even in a bad way. And, and that was, you know, by, by design. I mean, they, it's not like, you know, maybe he has more to it. Maybe he, they could unleash the offense a little bit to him. So, I mean, I think they just have, I, I, I can't remember a time where they have at least three quarterbacks with like significant game experience going into the season. So, I mean, even if we're, if Jerkovic were to get hurt or he's still not, you know, healthy or whatever, whatever it may be. I mean, I think they could turn to Vayer and feel comfortable about it. And if it came down to it, I think they could probably feel comfortable about uh, Nate Yarnell, too. By the way, I, I was thinking about it. The last time there were three quarterbacks, I don't think going into the season. So it, it has been a very long time. So it wasn't going into the season. But the last time three quarterbacks got significant minutes was 2017. That was the year that Max Brown transferred from USC was the starter. And then there was Ben DiNucci, a.k.a. the Nooch. And then there was Kenny Pickett, who was a true freshman. Uh, so that was the last time there was sort of a wide open, like a really deep quarterback room. And even then, Kenny Pitt, you know, there, there wasn't that level of experience going into it, as you just said. So it definitely has been a while. It was just a, 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 my mind went back to that very odd year of the, uh, the revolving door of quarterbacks. Uh, let's talk about running back. Uh, so Pitt lost Israel Abanacanda. He's with the, the New York Jets. He got drafted. Rodney Hammond has been there. He's been waiting for his moment for the last uh, you know couple of years. It seems like this is his chance to shine. He's going to be the lead back. What do you think about Rodney Hammond, and should we expect maybe a breakout year for him? Yeah, I mean, I think Rodney Hammond's proven over the past two seasons like he's a solid player. Uh, you know, he started two games last year. Uh, he was actually the more effective back against West Virginia last year. So, I mean, there's been times where, you know, he's he kind of split carries with Izzy Abanacan. It wasn't like he was always his backup. They kind of played the hot hand. So I think he's more than capable. I mean, they're different style of runners. Uh, even though he's like kind of smaller than Izzy, I mean, he's going to be more of a guy that's going to get tough yardage in between the tackles. I don't know if he has that same game-breaking element that Abanacanda had. But I think he's going to get the yards in front of him. I think he's a solid player. I think he proved that last year. I mean, I think that the UCLA game, uh, the Sun Bowl, he had two touchdowns, 90-some yards. He had 100 rushing yards against Syracuse. Even going back to his freshman year, I mean, he was really effective against Clemson. He scored a touchdown in the ACC championship game. He's been around. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's been a backup, but he's also been a part of the offense. So I think anytime, you know, a team can kind of hand off positions, it makes it easier when that guy's already been like a, you know, pretty good part of the offense. Tell me if I'm crazy for this comp, this player comp. I'm getting a, a slight vibes of what with what I'm expecting of him with Quadri Olison going into his senior year. Is that nuts? I mean, I think 
Yeah, maybe like production wise, I could see that. I mean, like he's always reminded me of Dion Lewis, just with his frame and kind of his running style. Um, so you know, just to think back of a pit back, that's that's kind of who he reminds me of playing wise. Um, I, I don't know if he's quite as fast, but he's also a kind of guy that's he could use his size to his advantage and kind of hide behind blockers and kind of sneak up on you. So that that's kind of what he reminds me of mostly. Yeah, and I actually I, I made the mistake. I just looked up. I'd forgotten that Olison had a ton of usage his freshman year and and then sort of took a step back sophomore and junior year and then took the big so he's for me he's kind of like quadrillison if that freshman year of his didn't happen where he he's there he's he's getting some good usage and then now that he's the lead back i really think he can explode as Dion lewis did uh so that'll be interesting now behind him sort of in a position that rodney hammond has been the last couple years where not necessarily worse than a banana just they played the hot hand and, and Abanda was the guy. So if Hammond is that guy, now he's got a few guys behind him. Uh, Sebo Flemister, uh, Derek Davis, Daniel Carter, all running in that running back room. What are you looking at in terms of which of them is going to step up? Are certain guys like Sebo just for specific situations? What should we look for from the rest of the running backs in that unit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think going into it, Sebo is probably the, the comfortable number two. Uh, you know, he had some experience at Notre Dame, had some good games with the Irish when he played there. And, you know, last year he he started slow, but, I you know, the Syracuse game, he had a couple nice runs. Late in the year, he kind of emerged. Miami had a long touchdown run. So I think he's maybe that guy that can give them a little bit of a, a burst from the running back position, maybe a guy that can – take a, you know, a five-yard gain and make it a 20-yard gain. I think he kind of has that game to him a little bit. So, I mean, I, I think he's definitely going to have a role. I mean, Daniel Carter's been around forever. Uh, you know, I, I think he's always going to pro- probably profile more as a fullback. I mean, there might be scenarios where he, he could be used as a short yardage back. But, and uh, so, I mean, those are probably your main three. I mean, I don't know what to make of Derek Davis just yet, uh, obviously because, you know, he went to LSU and he played safety and now he's playing running back at Pitt. So, it not only transfer, he's transferred positions. I, I think there's a little little unknown there. And they have two, a pair of true freshmen. I, 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 the one they, they seem to like uh, that could maybe play this year is Montrevis Lloyd. So maybe that's a deep sleeper in that running back room. But I think most of the damage is going to be done by Hammond and uh, Lemister. Interesting. And yeah, Derek Davis is such a question mark. It, it could be a bust, but also it could be a boom. Last time the pit took a defensive player, put him at running back, Went by the name of James Connor, so I'm just saying, yeah. not out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, I, he was a great athlete. I mean, he's a local Whitfield guy, like Jerkovic transferring back, and he he was a prolific running back at Gateway High School. So, I mean, he has that ability. I mean, it's just he took a couple of years off to focus on defense. So, it might take him a little bit to kind of get the position down. But I mean, he's talented. He he has a great frame. I mean, he he looks like the, he looks the part. So. If he could put it all together, I mean, maybe that's a weapon down the line. It definitely seems like a deep unit. As you said, Hammond and Sebo probably getting a majority of it. And then maybe Derek Davis here. Daniel Carter is a fullback. He can do some interesting things. Let's talk about the receivers. This is going to be wide receivers and tight ends combined. So you've got a few guys this year that have some decent experience. You've got your top two uh, wide receivers coming back. Uh, the top two wide receivers this year, both uh, featured last year. Bub Means and Kanate Mumfield. Then on top of that, a tight end, you've got a reliable guy in Gavin, <clears throat> excuse me, Gavin Bartholomew. They all have experience. Which one of them do you 
think will take the biggest step up? And then who besides them? Because, okay, maybe those are your two starting wideouts and a starting tight end. But who besides them is going to to carry the mantle? Yeah, I mean, to answer the first part of the question, I mean, I don't think there's any, you know, secret that uh, you know, Pitt is very high on Bob Means going into the season. And, uh, you know, he didn't have a big year last year, 27 catches, 400 yards, two touchdowns. But then again, I mean, there was a certain point last year where they were only really targeting Jared Wayne. So there wasn't like tons of catches to go around at, at you know, late in the year, whenever they were kind of just focusing on getting the ball to Abanacan and Wayne almost every play. But I, I mean, Bub means looks like a million bucks. I mean, he's 6'3", 200 pounds after the season when he does his pro day or goes to the combine or whatever, he's going to test off the charts. I mean, he's a freak athlete. Uh, he has everything you would want. Um, he dropped a couple passes earlier in the season, but I, I, you know, last year, but he he can be a big play threat. He, he's a guy that could stretch the field. So I mean, of the of those like three guys you mentioned returning, I mean, I think he is the highest upside. I think he could, I think he can play in the NFL physically. I mean, he just needs to put it together, you know, put some film together to make it happen. But I mean, beyond those three, I, it, it's I mean, there are times whenever you know Pitt has had a true freshman they really like, and they, they they're really kind of bad at keeping it a secret. And I think right now the situation is that Kenny Johnson's pretty good. And I think they know he's pretty good. And I think he's going to play a lot, uh, you know, maybe even to the point where he's their number three receiver by the end of the year. Uh, he's a true freshman out of uh, York, Pennsylvania. Uh, he was the MVP of the big 33 game. I, he's just a good, fluid, smooth athlete. And I think he really picked up to college football right away. Uh, they, they have four true freshman receivers. Two of them came in the spring. Two of them came in the, you know, here in the fall. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he was one of the ones that came in the fall, and he kind of jumped those other guys. I mean, I think he's going to be a big part of the offense. So, I mean, I think I think they have something with Kenny Johnson. I mean, and again, you want to see it, but uh, there, there are times whenever, uh, you know, the talk out of training camp uh, from Narduzzi or the videos posted by the official account, they don't hide it whenever they have a good freshman. And you saw a few times they would they would post him making diving catches and stuff like that. So I, I think Kenny Johnson is going to be a big part of the offense. Yeah, they're, they're not too subtle. So that's interesting. So maybe not week one or week two, but moving forward, Kenny Johnson can be a guy to take a, a big, big step up. That'll be interesting to, to watch. Uh, now on the offensive line, uh, we, we, we saw some difficult injury news uh, earlier this week. Uh, but besides, I mean, outside of that, this is a unit that has a lot of experience. Uh, they should have a good amount of talent. What do you think about the reliability of this offensive line and then, and then how that, uh, that injury news is going to affect the line? Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously the, the injury news you're speaking of is Ryan Jacoby. He's out for the year. He wasn't practicing for the first couple of weeks. And Pat Narduzzi announced at a season opening press conference that he is indeed out for the year. It was so a very he, ominous lead up, by the way. It was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think people kind of there was rumors, but, you know, Pitt doesn't really like to let their injury information get out. So once it came out, I mean. Yeah, I mean, that, that sets them back a left guard. But I, I think the strength of this line is obviously going to be at left tackle. I think Matt could solve this. He was a preseason All-ACC pick. I think he's a guy that can also play in the NFL. Uh, the, the interesting thing with Matt Gonsalves is he's never won a starting job out of camp coming into this season. But he started every game last year due to injuries. And he started a lot of games in 2021 and 2020. because Yeah, of it's great. He's a guy that feels like he's been at Pitt forever. 
he has been, and he he's started a lot of games, but he's never technically won a starting job out of training camp. But all of a sudden, he's a preseason, you know, first team All ACC lineman. So I, I think that's your anchor. I think Jake Cradle's as solid as they come, and he he's going to play center full time. He's played right guard, left guard, you know, center, but I, he's going to focus on center this year. And they have Blake Zabnova coming back, who's another guy like Gonsalves, never really won a starting job, but he's always kind of been that sixth, seventh man that has played a lot of football for him. So it's interesting with the offensive line because many expected last year to kind of be, you know, the the transition year. But then you had Carter Warren and Gabe Boy and Owen Drexel. Everyone decided to come back, but then they all got hurt. So it ended up, it ended up being the transition year anyway. So now they come into this season with a lot of experience. So, I mean, I think those three right there, I think, you know, they feel very good about. Uh, they're still high on Branson Taylor. He's going to play right tackle this year. He's a junior. And they're, he's not going to start, but they're very excited about Ryan Bear. He's going to be one of the starting tackles next season, and they're going to try to get him involved this season. There was talks of maybe playing him at guard, and I, I think they kind of slowed those down because you don't want to give a redshirt freshman, like, four positions to learn. But, I, I mean, I think he's going to be on the field playing tackle some. So, I mean, I, they're all excited about him. So, I, I, I think they have good, you know, three really solid guys. Uh, some younger guys are excited about. So, I, I, this, you know, of the whole offense, it's probably the unit you probably feel best about going into the season. Yeah, it's it's for so many years it's been a question mark, and and that's been just people don't know what to expect from the offensive line. and. It seems finally this year there's there's experience, there's reliability, there's talent that that offensive line that for I think a little bit in the Narduzzi tenure was kind of a weak point. Paul Chris back when he was head coach, he loved offensive line. He recruited those guys. And then for Narduzzi, focused more on defense, stuff like that. Offensive line, maybe a little bit quiet for a bit. And now it seems like that's becoming a really reliable position. And it's so important now, especially with when you mentioned uh, Phil Jerkovic and his injury history and just how important that is. The The running backs have been excellent really the last couple years, I think in large part because the offensive line has really come together. And Kenny Pickett was able to do what he did in large part because Jimmy Morrissey and, and that offensive line. And so really the last couple years, it seems like that's developed into a reliable unit, not too dissimilar from the defensive line. I think that, that there's just been so much success and one guy leaves and another guy fills the spot. Yeah. There's been a lot of that lately. And, you know, Carter Warren going into last year was supposed to be their best player and you're what you're, you know, their best offensive lineman. And, you know, he ended up getting drafted in the fourth round. Anyway, he missed a couple of games. I mean, I think if he played a whole season, he might've gone into that second, third round conversation. So, I mean, yeah, the offensive line has it's they've been fortunate in a way because they benefited from that COVID year. They benefited, you know, you hate to say you benefit from injuries, but it has also prepared a lot of guys. So, I, you know, I, again, last year was supposed to be that transition year and it kind of was, it, it, you know, but it has also made this year's line just a strength. Well, there's there's definitely going to be some transition on the defensive end. We're going to talk about them in just a second. First, we'll take a very quick break, uh, Get uh, hear from some of our sponsors, be back in just a moment to talk about the defense. All right, we are back to talk about the defense. We'll start uh, down in the trenches, defensive line. Obviously, the biggest uh, hole in this team 
is Kalijah Kansi, the ACC Defensive Player of the Year, first-round draft pick, Kalijah Kansi. He's gone, but just mentioned the defensive line for years now has been one guy leaves next man up and Charlie Partridge has done an incredible job almost every year. It seems like there's a new guy who comes seemingly out of nowhere to become a superstar. And this year there are three redshirt seniors on the line. Uh, Obviously Charlie Partridge still leading them. He's been consistent. Who do you think is going to lead this unit? And then who do you think might be the next guy to, to step up? Yeah, it's interesting with the defensive line because, you, you know, you lose Kalijah Kansi, but you also lose Deslin Alexander, Haba Baldonado, John Morgan. I mean, those are guys that have played a lot of football for this team. And for some reason, that those losses, everyone's just like, yeah, they'll probably figure it out anyway. And it, it, they do have a lot of experience there, especially at defensive tackle. They have those three guys, um, you know, Devin Danielson, uh, David Green, Tyler Bentley. They've all played a lot of football. Uh, you know, kind of the new name to emerge at defensive tackle lately is another senior is DeAndre Jules. Uh, did not play a lot the past couple of years, but he's always been a guy that has kind of been there in the background. The, you know, the coaches would talk him up, but he never really saw any playing time. I think that's going to change this year. I think he's going to play a lot more. I think he really worked on his body, and I think he can, you know, really do some good things. So, I mean, I think those four, in, you know, at the interior, I mean, I think they're really solid there. And, you know, maybe a deep sleeper there is Sean Fitzsimmons, uh, you know, redshirt freshman right from the Pittsburgh area. I think he's, you know, just a naturally disruptive player. That's how I always kind of describe him. He, he knows how to get to the backfield. And don't forget, Elliot Donald's still around, too, who hasn't really played a lot. So I that, mean, name, that name sounds familiar, Jim. That name, yeah, that name is familiar. And, uh, <laughs> it, you know, I think everyone's kind of waiting for him to get on the field. But, you know, when you have guys like Kalaja Kansi and all these seniors, it's not easy to break in a lineup. So. Defensive tackle, I think they're going to be pretty solid. I think where the question marks kind of arise is, you know, at defensive end. Uh, Dayon Hayes is probably the most experienced guy of the bunch. He's probably going to be the lead pass rusher. He's had moments throughout his career. I think in the Miami game last year, he had three sacks. So it was a good way to kind of end the season. But after him, I mean, you're talking about a brand new bunch of guys. Uh, you know, Bam Brima's a senior. He's played a little bit throughout his career. Nate Temple has hardly ever played and he's a projected starter. So, and he's also a senior. So, I mean, you have guys like that, but then there's also some young, exciting guys, especially Nakai Johnson. He came in that 2021 recruiting class. He was a four-star uh, Samuel Oklahoma came in the 22 re- recruiting class. He's a four-star. So you're sensing a trend there that Charlie Partridge has been able to, you know, not only kind of churn out guys and make three-star Kalijah Kansi's into five stars, he's starting to recruit a little bit better. So, uh, you know, the, the story with the defensive end is it's inexperienced, but it's talented. And, but we just don't know what to expect. I mean, a lot of it hinges on, you know, Dayon Hayes taking that next step as a player. Yeah, it's fascinating because, as you said, a lot of times in the past, they took guys who maybe didn't have too many recruiting stars, like Kalijah Kansi, like Aaron Donald, who, by the way, yes, is related to, to Elliot Donald, and sort of helped turn them into superstars and they became superstars. And then because of that, it's now sort of the opposite uh, conundrum where you're, you're getting really good recruits, but they just don't have much experience, at least not this year, because they, they did lose a lot of guys that played so much of last season. So it is going to be about who's stepping up. As you mentioned, Nate Temple is going to be thrust into a big role, Devin Danielson. Uh, But yeah, Dayon Hayes definitely seems, especially as a defensive end, like a a 
that that next guy who can take a huge step up. He's not a, a defensive tackle, as we've seen a couple times with this pit defense, but that guy who can come again seemingly out of nowhere and then just have this monster season. Yeah, I mean, Dayon Hayes has, you know, he's a four-star guy from right in Pittsburgh. He's played a lot the past two seasons, but, you know, he was behind Deslin and Hava. So, I mean, you know, he, he got snaps, but not as many as they did. So this is his opportunity. This is going to be his big chance to, you know, he he's the number one DN. They're expecting 10 sacks from him. I mean, that's that's the type of expectations he has, and he has to deliver. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting. So I, I do feel they're stronger – at defensive tackle, maybe not so much stronger, but you kind of know what you're getting there. Defensive end, it's still still a little up in the air for me. Yeah, and yet there's so, it's so funny because Pitt fans are so pessimistic about so many things, and yet you can sense this optimism regarding the defense and particularly the defensive line that because they've done this before, they've lost a lot of talent, and then they just instantly someone else steps up. That people are just they're just optimistic. Yeah, oh, they'll figure it out. So, someone's going to step up. Yeah, it, yeah, they lost a lot of players, but someone will figure. And that's it's worked out in the past. It seems like that's a rare point of optimism for Pitt fans. Yeah, and I I think it's you know you're going four years running now. I think over the past four seasons, Pitt has 199 sacks. That's the most of anyone in the country. I think Alabama and Clemson are the next two closest, and they're like 20 or 30 off the pace or whatever it is. I mean, Pitt's good at getting get getting to the quarterback. And, you know, I think one of the strengths of that ability is that they do rotate a lot. So whenever you lose Kalijah Kansi, they still have a lot of guys that have played football, like meaningful, significant snaps before. So I think that's how, it, you know, it kind of just that, you know, kind of back to the the first point I, I brought up the at the top of the hour was there's just continuity around here. Devin Danielson and David Green have played a lot of football. So they're not walking in, you know, starting these brand new faces up front. Yeah, uh, I think the pull quote is going to be the pit is better than Alabama. I, I think we're going to go with that. That's going to be the takeaway. <laughs> um, uh, let's talk about the linebackers, Jim. So Kamara, Simon, DeShields, they're all back. You combine the tackles they had last year, it's 114 uh, between the three. But they did lose Servasie Dennis. He got drafted into the NFL. Uh, can this defense take th this unit, excuse me, this linebacker unit, take a, a step up? without Servasie Dennis, who was such a great playmaker. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, with Pitt, you know, in the past couple of years where their defense has really taken some strides, it's everyone knows about Charlie Partridge and the defensive ends. Everyone knows they get a lot of defensive backs drafted, and the linebackers have kind of just been those guys in between. And, you know, finally, last year, Servasie Dennis had a big season. He was a first-team All-ACC guy, and he got drafted. That was the first Pitt linebacker to get drafted since – Scott McKillop in like 2009. So, Ooh, I mean, it was a like, Yeah, it was a gap. So, I, I think linebacker play has turned around lately. And I think going into this season, I mean, you could argue defensively it's the best unit they have. I think Bengali Kamara might be their best defensive player or, you know, could be by the end of the year. I think he he has a lot of potential. He, you know, he looks like a pro. He moves. Uh, he, he's very athletic. So, and, you know, Shane Simon started every game last year. He's only one of two pit defensive players to start every game last season. It was him and Eric Allen. So he was out there. He got a lot of experience. And, you know, way back when, before he went to Notre Dame and went to Pitt, he was a four-star recruit. I mean, he was a, he was a big-time recruit. So I, I think Shane Simon has some ability. And they've always been excited about Solomon DeShields. Uh, it's kind of hard to believe he's going into his, like, fourth season at Pitt. I mean, he's always kind of been in the background. But 
I think he's going to have a more prominent role. So I think they feel really good about that unit. And I mean, they even have a guy like Brandon George around who's been a backup, who's played a lot of staffs, special teams. He's been a guy that's been around forever too. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, you have to feel pretty good at least with that top four right there. Absolutely. Yeah. And Brandon George, he's another guy again, seemingly has been at pit forever. And when he's not one of your starting linebackers, I think that's a pretty solid position to be in when you don't need him starting. He, you can just let him, you know, do his thing. Uh, let's talk about the defensive backs. So they lost Eric Hallett. As you mentioned, they lost Hill. Uh, they do have MJ Devonshire. They do have Williams. Uh, so we know that those two are, are going to start and Pitt fans are hoping will continue on the trajectory last year. Devonshire, especially with some you know huge defensive plays, one in particular in the brawl. Uh, but that still leaves two big gaps, not to mention any other guys that can step up. So who's going to be filling in for Hallett and, and Hill? Yeah, I mean, you know, on Monday this week, it, the depth chart re was released, and it's going to be Javon McIntyre, a sophomore, and P.J. O'Brien, a junior, as the two starting safeties. Uh, Javon McIntyre played a little bit last year. He had an inter two interceptions late in the year. He actually started the UCLA game because Brandon Hill opted out. So he at least got a little bit thrown in the fire, knows how to play a little bit. P.J. O'Brien's been a special teams guy for a couple years. He was the guy that blocked the punt against Tennessee. So they're, they're guys that have played football but playing safety in this defense is a big ask it's not an easy thing to do and you know three of the past four starting safeties for Pitt have been drafted um but it, it is you know pretty much all of those guys it took a few games it didn't Darmar Hamlin did not click right away Eric Hallett Brandon Hill did not click right away it's a defense where you kind of have to see it happen and know how defenses attack you because you're kind of that last line of defense uh, you know, Pitt's so aggressive in the front seven that you're kind of back there by yourself at times. And if the corner messes up, you're chasing them down the field. So there's a lot of things that have to go right. So I think going into the year, I'm a little skeptical. Um, I, I think they're talented. I think that they have the ability to grow into good players by the end of the year. But I mean, not that Cincinnati and West Virginia are like the greatest teams in the world, but I would expect them to challenge them a lot and really give it to them and see see if they can respond to it. because. You know, they're first-year starters, and playing safety in Pitt's defense is not easy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the question mark, but they do feel good about corner because, you know, even with MJ Devonshire and Marquez Williams, they also have A.J. Woods. They have three guys that have started games, uh, guys that they're comfortable with interchangeably. So a lot of this, you know, pretty much a lot of the defensive success this whole season you could attribute to is how well these safeties adjust. Yeah, that seems to be such a big question mark, McIntyre and O'Brien at the safety position. I, I think it is kind of a, a saving grace that compared to last year when the first game was the brawl, and as you mentioned, coming off an ACC championship this year, they'll get some experience versus Wofford. And then Cincinnati, it'll be a tough game, but it'll be at home. They'll get a chance against a good team, but not necessarily world beaters, not like Tennessee, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, not Penn State level. And then West Virginia, obviously a tough game, but from what people are expecting from that team, what they were last year, again, not world beater. So they'll have at least a little bit of time to, to grow into that against Before again, they... two, two good teams, but you know, then, then the games really start counting. I shouldn't say that the brawl counts, not necessarily in the ACC, but it counts for a whole hell of a lot. Well, yeah, but that week four game against North Carolina and Drake may is 
because those teams will try to challenge him. He will challenge them, and he yeah. can probably <laughs> beat them. So, I mean, that's – yeah, that, that game's going to be interesting. So, hopefully those, you know, those first three games they get their feet wet because Drake May is not going to wait around for them. No, Drake Mays, he's going to be on a mission this year. He wants he wants to try to supplant Caleb Williams, if at all possible. I don't know if he can, but he's he's going to try. Uh, let's talk about special teams. Uh, so Ben Saul's, uh, Saul's good man. Uh, he has cemented himself as the kicker. Uh, they've got Junko, a name that many people might uh, recognize, uh, at Punter, who just earned himself a scholarship. Uh, so he is He's now the one punter on the roster. So on on at the kicker position, you've got someone who's very experienced. Then at the punter position, it's kind of the opposite. Uh, th- this is after they've been, you know, a little uh, up and down with, with punter. What do you think about the sort of the dichotomy between the stability at kicker and and the experience there, and then punter? You're you're going in with someone who two weeks ago was a walk on. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt punting was a, definitely a weakness last year. I mean, there was, you know, late in the season, you know, the travel roster, they were bringing three punters to game because they weren't really sure who was going to be kicking well that day. So I think they have a little bit more defined and they feel a little bit better with Caleb Junko. I think he has a strong leg. Uh, last year they used Sam Vanderhaar. Uh, he kind of did the rugby kicking. He was from Australia. He's never played football before. I don't think he really even knew the rules of football when he got to America. <laughs> oh, God. So that's kind of where Pitt's punting position was last year. I mean, it you know, it worked out with Kirk Christodoulou, obviously, going down to Australia and finding someone like that. But there's a risk with it. I mean, you know, so I think Caleb Junko, he has a pretty strong leg. I saw him kicking pretty well during camp. So I, I, they feel pretty good with that. And, you know, Ben Sauls missed a couple early on. But, you know, he, what, he was, what, five for five in the Sun Bowl? He was MVP of the game. I mean, he, oh, was, he was unreal. He was really good. And I, I think he was pretty he was on a you know pretty good streak for most of the season. I think he you know he had a few hiccups early in the year, so they have to feel good about kicker. I think punter can improve. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to be like Caleb Junko is going to be an All American, but I I mean just getting the punt off downfield. I was going to say, does he at least punt it like a normal punter does? Yeah, he does. And okay. I, I mean, the, the interesting thing last year with Pitt is they survived two punt blocks. Usually when you get a punt blocked in the game, that's the turning point in the game. It happened in the backyard brawl. They somehow survived it. It happened in that Duke game. They only won that game by two. But normally would you allow a punt block? That's a game-changing play. It really is. So that's kind of where Pitt's punting was last year. So there's really nowhere to go but up. The fact that it happened twice last year is absurd. When it happened during the brawl, I, that just – that that was – unthinkable it was so bad and and yet i think everyone could see it coming it, it it was not a good situation last year we won't delve into it as long as again it was a straightforward question does caleb junko punt normally i think most fans are going to be happy to hear that i think they'll take that see what they've got but as long as you can avoid the pump blocks you get it down the field and it's you know not like a, a 10 15 yard dud i i think fans are going to be okay with that uh we're going to take uh one more uh quick break actually a live read and then we're going to come back and talk about uh some sort of superlatives looking ahead but first i want to tell all of the listeners about a pretty exciting contest that fans first sports network is running so if you're a fan of an nfl team any nfl team it can be the steelers with kenny pickett you could be across the state it could be the eagle it could be anyone you can win a chance to attend your favorite team's week one NFL game. 
Fans First Sports Network is giving away four free tickets to the week one NFL game of your choice up to $5,000. The rules to enter are incredibly simple. You just go to contest.fansfirstsports.com and fill out the information. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com. Fill out the information. That's it. Once you've done that, you'll be entered to win the four free tickets to any week one NFL game. Again, that could be Kenny Pickett at Heinz Field week one. Could be really exciting. Uh, so the really exciting contest, all done by Fans First Sports Network. Go enter for your shot at seeing your NFL team week one. That's contest.fansfirstsports.com. Contest ends on September 4th. So, Jim, let's talk about some superlatives uh, most likely to have a breakout year. Now, this is someone who maybe they've been good in the past, but who's going to be the next, say, Kalijah Kansi, who can take a step up to being not necessarily a first-round draft pick, but someone who's going to be a star, maybe all ACC, maybe a high draft pick, who's someone that you really think is, is going to be a breakout this year? Yeah, I mentioned him earlier, um, but I, I really do think Bengali Kamara has that ability. I mean, he has the frame to play at linebacker in the NFL. Last year was his first year starting, and um, <clears throat> he was actually really good at pass coverage, but he, he, he needs to get a little bit better at run defense. But again, he added some weight this offseason, and I, I mean, I, I really think he's poised to have a big season. They talk about consistency with him, but... All the talent in the world is there. So, I mean, I really think Bengali Kamara is set to, you know, be an all-ACC type linebacker. Who's someone who there might be some disappointment or maybe you're not sold on yet? Someone that uh, some people might be hyping up, but you're kind of in maybe wait and see a little bit. I've always kind of felt that way a little bit with Gavin Bartholomew. I mean, he did have a really good freshman season, but he, he kind of played like a a fullback where he would just kind of get the ball and he was running downhill from Kenny Pickett. So last year he kind of took a step back because he was kind of more of that straight inline tight end running routes, that kind of thing. It didn't go so well, but I mean, I have some theories to that. I mean, I, I think, you know, Keenan Slovis didn't really play in an offense with the tight end. So maybe he wasn't always looking for him, but I, I, I kind of, I don't, I don't want to say Gavin Bartholomew's going to be a disappointment this year, but I kind of just want to see it. Uh, I, I think he's a great athlete. I mean, he's a big, tough dude. Um, so, you know, he only had like 200 some receiving yards last year. So I, you know, I think he was on good trajectory as a freshman and I, I, I I'm still kind of waiting to see if he could catch it again as a junior. Yeah. I mean, pit fans love him. The internet loves him. I think there's a lot of, uh, hype around him, but I'm kind of with you. I, I think, especially without Kenny Pickett, people want to see what, what he can do and if he can really be that uh, that safety valve uh, for Phil Dracovic. Uh You mentioned a couple freshmen that, that Pitt likes. Who would you say is is your favorite to uh, of the freshmen to make a, a pretty big impact this year? Yeah, I talked about him already, but I'm, I'm fully expecting Kenny Johnson to play a lot. I mean, I, I, I just think where with their wide receiver depth is right now, um, they they just don't have a lot. I mean, they they have you know they have Bud Beans, Conte, Mumfield. It's uh, about uh, it. <laughs> that's kind of it. And then a bunch of freshmen. A, uh, you know, a guy they just put on scholarship, uh, Dejon Reynolds, a, a transfer from Florida. So they're they're just looking for playmakers there. So I, I think that's why wide receiver is such a prime opportunity for a freshman to make an impact because one, I think that trans that position kind of translates. I think a high school senior can go out and 
you know, kind of learn the route tree and go, go catch passes. I, I mean, I think other positions like offensive line, it's not so easy to just step on the field as a true freshman. So I think Kenny Johnson's going to be really good. And if not him, I think, you know, maybe one of the other true freshmen could do it. I mean, I think Zion Fowler-L had did a really nice job during training camp. They were really excited about Izzy Polk and Lamar Seymour during uh, spring ball. So, I mean, if it's not Kenny Johnson, it's going to be one of the other three. I mean, I, I think just this position calls for an impact player as a freshman um, because they, they kind of need it to happen. Yeah, it sounds just <laughs> out of necessity. I mean, that's a position that, hell, many programs, many teams, they start three wide receivers. I mean, and and that very well may be the case with Pitt, where you've got a true freshman out there starting someone in the slot. And, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, because that kind of has to be a freshman because outside of Means and Mumfield, there's really no one else. So uh, I, I would go with you. I think Kenny Johnson or at least one of those uh, wide receivers seems to be a, a smart pick for uh, a freshman who's going to step up because, again – someone's going to be out there. There's going to be a third wide receiver out there on a huge chunk of plays and they can maybe, you know, break off some, some big ones. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, I think that's my true freshman. And maybe if I had a sleeper uh, on the other side of the ball, I'll say Braylon Lovelace, a linebacker. Uh, maybe he's a freshman that maybe not. He cracked the depth chart. Um, obviously they have some good seniors and guys in front of them, but I think he'll have a chance to play. All right, I like that as a uh, as sort of a, a sleeper pick on defense. Uh, here's here's an interesting one. Let's talk about like a long shot of the year. Now this this is a pretty vague category. This can be uh, something specific to happen. This can be a game result. This could be uh, a a fluke, uh, just a random prediction. This could be something about. Uh, the the fans or the stadium or uniforms. This could be something Narduzzi does. Just something, some long shot that you think, hey, you know what? That that might happen this year. Hmm. Let's get a little weird. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Pitt joined the Big East in '92, and Pitt has never gone undefeated in non-conference play since that happened. I think maybe this is the year it happens interesting now we're gonna talk in, in in literally just a few seconds we're gonna talk about uh the the schedule and our, our season predictions i think you could be onto something there though i that that is shocking i did not know that they have never gone undefeated in their con in their non-conference that's wild the only time it happened was the one game of 2020 where they beat austin p it has it has <laughs> never happened where there's been three or more uh non-conference games that is absolutely fascinating. Wow. Yeah, that's um that's pretty wild. Yeah, that's that's incredible. Okay, so this could be the year um that that Pitt goes undefeated in the non-conference for the first time. Anything else? How about like Pat Narduzzi and referee get into a fist fight? Is that maybe a long shot? <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I think uh his his demeanor has gotten a little bit better through the years. I think when he first got to year 15, 16, he was still acting like a coordinator. So he does act like a head coach a little bit more. Um hmm. how about how about what about his facial hair? What are we expecting there? I think the 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 training camp is is for the goatee. I think he goes back to his normal look once the season. Okay. Yeah. I, I gotta say I like I like the goatee look. I don't know why that's training camp only, but you know. He told the story, I guess, maybe when he was working at Cincinnati or Michigan State, that was like the defensive staff always did training camp goatees. So it's something he he 
he personally is, I think, the only one doing it at pit camp. But yeah, it's still a tradition he keeps. Yeah, it's like playoff beard, but uh, kind of the opposite and something only he does. It's fun. Uh, okay, let's uh, right right before we go into uh, the, the full record prediction and we can talk about the schedule. People know pitting and pitting. If you don't know, by definition is doing something completely unexpected. Now, that could be winning a game that no one expects you to win against perhaps the second-ranked team in the nation or losing a game that everyone expects you to win against perhaps maybe a Western Michigan. Uh, what is a a game that you think pitting can occur? Again, this can go either way. Uh, I think I actually predicted the Western Michigan loss a couple years ago. Um, there, was a, there were a few years ago that you predicted every game. What, what's a game that maybe it's it's not on people's radar and Pitt either shouldn't win it or shouldn't lose it, but you think there's there's a decent chance the opposite could happen. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, you know, there's three games that everyone kind of knows that are the ranked games, and, you know, you don't really know how those are going to go. I mean, they're preseason ranked. You don't know if they're going to be ranked by the time you play them. So, you know, looking at maybe those nine other games, um, you know, Georgia Tech last year was almost impossible to predict. I mean, Georgia Tech was terrible and they fired their coach and they still somehow beat Pitt. So, I, I mean, I, you know, maybe the the Yankee Stadium game, the Syracuse. I mean, Pitt kind of takes that for granted that they always beat Syracuse, but I don't think they're a half bad team. Um, they were I mean, really good last year for a while and they just fell off a cliff late. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they have some weapons. Uh, who's that tall guy? Oh, uh Gadsden. They have like a six, seven wide receiver. Garrett Schrader's a, you know, pretty good quarterback. I mean, they lost Sean Tucker, the running back, but I don't know. The game's going to be played in a baseball stadium. So isn't it that, you know, I guess by definition, like Pitt losing a game in a baseball stadium, kind of like go, go with this team. Well, they've literally done, I mean, they've lost a game in that exact baseball stadium, the bowl game to Northwestern a few years. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, I don't know. If they've got the best line. I mean, we'll we'll see uh, what what they're able to do there. I mean, there there are the funny thing is that Syracuse. There was all that talk a few years ago about Syracuse being New York's college team, uh, and how insanely far they are from New York City. I think there's now obviously Syracuse fans. People go to Syracuse from all over New York State, so there might be a good amount of fans there. But there are also going to be a good amount of Pitt fans there because there are Pitt fans in New York and New Jersey and the Philly area. Uh, that, that's not a difficult trip to them. So that'll be interesting. I think that'll be a weird game. I totally agree with you. Uh, Dino Babers, you know, that's, that, that'll, that'll be a fascinating game. I kind of, I'm on the other end, um, where instead of, uh, losing a game that many people think they should win, I kind of think they might win a game. People think they should lose. I think at Notre Dame. Uh, could be a, a real chance at a victory. Notre Dame is getting a lot of preseason hype. Uh, I know people love Marcus Freeman. I know they they obliterated Navy in, in week zero in Dublin. But I don't know. I'm not sold on them yet. They, they might be really good. They might return to form. But they really struggled uh, early last year. I'm not sold on them. I know it's on the road. Although Pitt nearly beat them on the road. Uh, what? 2012 with the extra kicker or the, the, the missed field goal and in double overtime. And I, you know, I don't want to get into it. It'll just make me upset, but I don't think it's, it's uh, a place impossible for Pitt to get a victory. I think there's a, there's a real chance that the Pitt could pull out a victory at Notre Dame this year. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think they kind of match up well with them. And I think they, you know, with Notre Dame's quarterback being Sam Hartman, there's some familiarity there. So they kind of know what he does. So I, I, I you know, 
I just think stylistically, I don't think like Notre Dame's going to like spread you out and make you do all these crazy things on defense. So I, I, I think Pitt can kind of hone in on what they do. So I kind of like the matchup there. The other thing that's interesting about that one is that Pitt is in a weird sandwich in Notre Dame's schedule. They are uh, two weeks after USC. So that's going to be a massive game that Notre Dame will play. A lot of times it closes out the season, but instead they're playing USC October 14th. They get a week off, then they play Pitt. So they might be riding a high from that if they get a big victory uh, or or you know maybe a low. And then the week after they play Pitt, they're on the road at Death Valley against Clemson. So there could be a chance that they sort of overlook the Panthers, and that could be a sneaky win. I don't know. I, th- I think there's a chance there. Uh, okay, now let's talk about record prediction. Uh, you have been – you've gone perfect in the past where you've picked every game right. Um, what is your feeling in terms of their record this year? Uh, feel free if you want to sort of go through game by game what you think might be a win, might be a loss. You don't have to. But what are you thinking in terms of uh, Pitt's regular season record this year? I mean, I think throughout most of the summer, I've kind of been stuck around eight and four. Um, but I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I, I, I you know, I, I've heard people talk up of memes for, uh, you know, long enough that I, I kind of moved to nine and three uh, just ahead of the season. So that's kind of where I am right now. Um, I, I do think they're going to win that Notre Dame game. You know, I think North Carolina, that early season test for the safeties against, you know, arguably the best quarterback in college football is going to be tough. I think Florida State's a pretty good team. And, I think there's going to be a weird loss along the way. I, I think I made a prediction on Panther Lair where I said they'd lose to Duke. I don't know if it's going to be Duke, but <laughs> I, they, Duke represented just that third loss I think they're going to have, who I don't know who it is to yet. Interesting. So I sort of end up at a same, similar point than you, although I, I I didn't have that late push toward optimism with the nine wins. So I'm going to go eight and four. That number's been in my head for a while. That record's been in my head. Same record as last season. Uh, I think that uh, they, this is a good team. They're bringing back a lot of talented guys. I think it should be an improvement at quarterback, but they're also losing a lot of players, especially on the defensive end. And I, I think that isn't going to be a given that the production's going to stay there. I don't think they go undefeated in the non-conference. I think they lose either to Cincinnati or at West Virginia, which would be brutal. But I I could see a scenario. They go down to Morgantown, a night game. West Virginia has everything to play for. For them, that is their season, essentially. Uh, And Neil Brown, their coach, is basically playing for his job, especially depending on how their season starts. If they get crushed by Penn State in week one, then if they lose to Pitt, I mean, he could get fired midseason. I think they're going to give him a test. And then the next week, North Carolina, I I don't think Pitt wins that. Uh, Notre Dame could go either way. I think Florida State's going to be really tough. And then, like you said, something weird like at Syracuse and then obviously something totally random, uh, like, as you mentioned, losing at Duke, I think is possible. So I'm going to say eight and four, same record as last season, five and three in the ACC. And uh, then similar to last year, you get a chance to get your ninth win in a bowl game. Solid year, not world beaters, don't make the ACC championship, but you put yourself in in decent position and you, you move forward. I, I think I think eight and four would be, by all accounts, a good year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's some holes on this team or some question marks. You don't really know how everything's going to go with quarterback and, uh, you know, replacing, you know, a lot of really good defensive players. So 
there's just such a wide range on this pit team. I mean, I could see them going to seven and five. I could see Phil Jerkovic playing well. They go to 10 and two. I mean, I think their ceiling is being right in that conversation for an ACC title, like right after, you know, Florida state and Clemson. I mean, but at their low end, I think they could be struggling and, you know, maybe finish around seven and five. So there's just so many ways this season could go. And, you know, last year it kind of felt like they would have like, Eight and four was a little bit disappointing. I think it kind of changed at the end because they they got hot at the end, so everyone kind of forgot about that. But um, yeah, I, I just there's a lot of unknowns about this team. They're they're you know they're replacing a really good you know they're whole up the middle, both starting safeties, their middle linebacker, and their best defensive tackle. So that's a lot to replace. I you know I I don't want to gloss over that. Uh, you know, they have a new quarterback. There's there's so many different factors, but I, I do think there's a lot of pieces here. I think there's a lot of you know, like the continuity I've talked about, guys that have won a lot of games, a good offensive line, all that stuff. So it, it, there's just a lot of different ways it could go. Yeah, as things change, some things stay the same. I think a lot of things are going to change with this pit football team, but I think the record very well may stay the same. Maybe another eight and four year, which again would be a good year. There's just, there, there's a lot of change and I, it could be positive, but uh, it's it's definitely going to play a factor. Um, really great talking to you, Jim, exciting season up ahead. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll talk to you again. Again, this was just an absolute thrill. Um, Jim, thank you so much for, for coming on this episode and, and doing the season preview yet again. Yeah, of course. Anytime. Uh, always, always happy to do it. Well, uh, we're so appreciative. Um, again, moving forward, the episodes uh, will be posted uh, Monday. That'll be Football Unscripted on the Pit Talk Network. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Pit Talk Network, and uh, that is part of Fans First Sports Network. Uh, we're we're going to get things going. We're going to hit the ground running. It's going to be really exciting uh, uh, fall football season. Uh, got a lot of content coming out. We will be back Monday to talk all things about the Wofford game. We've got an exciting guest coming up for that one. Uh, and uh, and then we'll talk a bit about Cincinnati. Uh, but definitely keep it tuned to Pit Talk Network. We've got a few shows coming up. Keep it subscribed, uh, and then you'll get all the episodes right to you when they air. Uh, but for now, also please uh, uh, follow Jim Hammett. Check out his stuff at Panther Lair, uh, a phenomenal source of content for Pit News on the internet. Uh, so again, thank you, Jim Hammett. Uh, please subscribe to Pit Talk Network. So excited for the beginning of this season. Uh, we will be back with another episode of Football Unscripted on Monday, but so much more content coming up on the Pit Talk Network. So keep it tuned. Keep it subscribed. Uh, until now, only uh, mere hours until the 2023 Pit Football season begins. Uh, we, uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Thanks so much. And uh, we'll see you next time right here on the Pit Talk Network.